The history of television is a history of failure. For every television series that lasted years and years, there were dozens that lasted only one season or less. But did they deserve to die? Or were they... Cancelled too soon? Cancel Too Soon, the podcast where we review television series that lasted only one season or less. My name is William Bibiani. I am a film critic for the internet. Everybody calls me Bibbs. My name is Whitney Seibold. I, too, write film reviews for the internet. And I don't have a nickname. You don't need to call me by one. You're just a friend. I'm just a dude. And uh, we're very, very excited for this episode for a bunch of different reasons. Uh, one, we are starting off our second f- or third year? Third, this is, this our, is our third, third year. season. This is our third year of doing Cancel Too Soon. First episode, New Year. Season 3, episode 1. So that's very, very exciting. Uh, We have a bunch of great stuff planned for you throughout the whole year. Uh, It is also our 98th episode. We are counting down to our 100th episode. So we are going to be talking about three of our most requested shows ever. And this episode was a Patreon request. If you're a Patreon member, patreon.com slash cancel too soon, you get to vote for one episode a month in addition to a whole bunch of other great exclusive content. Thank you to everybody who has joined us there. And who Um, else has joined us today? And we have a very special guest. One of the coolest people I know in the industry has deigned Mm -hmm. to make her presence here known (laughs) now on Cancel Too Soon to talk about one of the weirdest TV shows of all time. This is April Wolf from the Who Shot Ya and Switchblade Sisters podcast. Hello. Hi. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah. uh, I've been trying to get you on the show since we did an episode of Press Play together on KCRW. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, I usually I ask people when they have, like, a show they really, really want to do, and we couldn't find the right show for you, and we just tried to think of the weirdest thing possible. I mean, we, we talked about, like, we almost did, like, Briscoe County. Yeah, yeah, and, that was on the list. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and you were just like, if they want to do Cop Rock, we'll do Cop Rock. And sure enough, our Patreon subscribers are so awesome, they wanted to do Cop Rock. Cop Rock. I was shocked. <laughs> yeah. My, I was like, this is all right, we're going. You yeah. would think, you know, everyone would go to Briscoe County Jr., but no, no, our, our Patreon subscribers are, are, are delightfully weird. We've loved it. We, we've learned that they love it when we do, like, the weirdest possible shows. <laughs> like, they ask us to do, like, some, like Pitch. We did Pitch, which mm-hmm. was canceled very, oh, I very love recently. Pitch, pitch yeah, was great. It was quite I a good show. I loved Pitch, and yeah. So we did it, and we covered it, and we thought it was quite good. But they want us. They want to hear us talk about like Francis Ford Coppola's White Dwarf, or, yeah, or, or Francis Ford Coppola's The People, or The People, or, or yeah. Steel, Steel Justice. You know, just the things that are way, way off the rails. And I, we, we got a doozy of you. Yeah, this is this is going to be a hell of a conversation. But before we get started, I want to get to know April Wolf uh, a little bit better. April, you have two really, really great podcasts that everyone should be listening to instead of ours. Uh, we've got a, just in, in addition, addition to, to in when addition you're done to. listening to April's podcast, you can listen to ours. <laughs> uh, first off, there's the Who Shot Yet podcast, which I started listening to, and I'm listen, I'm going to be honest here, I haven't listened to every episode. When when who do you, can? When do you tell me? When do you tell me who shot me? 
Um, it's uh, end of season one. End of season one. <laughs> you will find because I'm shot. I've been shot. I am bleeding out. I'm listening to your podcast. Who was it, April? Well, everybody knows it was Kristen shot Jr. That, but that's not me. It's oh. who shot. Yeah. It's 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 like um like. Angela Lansbury uh, playing Jessica Fletcher went to Chicago, you know, and and like that's that's what I consider, you know. But really, it's a Biggie song. It's oh, okay, there you go. <laughs> then that's it's a different reference. Yeah, it's taking it too literally. But that's a great show, and it's you and friend of the show Alonzo Duralde, mm-hmm. uh, who uh, reviewed My Mother the Car with us last year. Ooh, yeah, he was he was talking about that quite a bit while he, he was, was listening, so. and that was his idea. I just want to make that abundant. He complains about that to this day. It was his he idea to do it. it. Just throwing that out there, Alonzo. This one's on you. I <laughs> um, watched all, how many? There was like 165 episodes. It was a lot. <laughs> it felt The way long. he talked about it, it seemed like it never ended. Well, like it was for it, months. It takes it you a was... long, long time. Usually, usually the shows you review are canceled pretty quick, so they've got like one episode or six episodes or 12 episodes. Occasionally, they have a full 20-episode season. Like, My Mother of the Car was like 30 episodes. It was a long season. Mm. It was mm. ridiculous. It, it's the reason we've... St- away from a lot of the uh, like Hanna Barbera cartoons because oh, they would make okay. sixty those of those are, things. Yeah, in those a bunch. Are daily shows. One season has sixty-five episodes. We don't have the time for that sort of. Who thing. does? Although eventually we do need to do Young Hercules with Ryan Gosling. We'll do Young Hercules. We have to do Young Hercules with Ryan Gosling. <laughs> You'll make an exception for that. For, for, for the Gosmeister, yes. We've already done Roar. We may as well do Young Hercules. Damn right. Uh, <laughs> so you got Who Shot and that's a great pop culture podcast, but the one that's like yours yeah. is Switchblade Sisters, and that's like the coolest podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, it's just um, me having a new female filmmaker on every week. And I'm uh, interviewing them simultaneously as we are talking about their favorite genre film. So, and you've had cool people. You had like Lynn Shay on that show. Yeah, there's like a, a test. Like you can only come on if you're cool. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, Lynn Shay uh, might have. She might have been my favorite interview. She just had so much energy and so many stories about Jack Nicholson, which was like great that she chose The Shining. Because I was yeah. like, oh shit, that's right. You worked with Jack Nicholson. And the first movie of your career. So yeah. yeah, that's really cool. So everyone check all those out. Those are available where fine podcasts are uh, podcasted. Sold. Yes. Sold, downloaded. Distributed? <laughs> that's the love. They're, they're all correct. Okay, great. And now, ladies and gentlemen, boys and, and ghouls, uh, uh, let's let's just get down to brass tacks here. Let's talk about one of the I mean, maybe it's not one of the <laughs> One of the it, weirdest shows, but it's one of the weirdest watches. It's one of the weirdest ideas we've ever done. Let's talk about a little show called Cop Rock. This is the police! We have a warrant for your arrest! Here, it's more than a drama. Well, I want to thank the jury. It's more than a musical. Step up, chop! See what you got. Don't be coming for you, ready or not. It's a totally new form of television. You're gonna read me my rights. Wednesdays this fall, Stephen Botko's Cobb Rock. Okay, so the year was 1990, mm-hmm. and Stephen Botko, uh, the producer oh. of Hill Street Blues, Doogie Hauser, L.A. Law, future producer of NYPD Blue, uh, basically had a golden ticket. And he could do kind of whatever he wanted. And the story goes that he was inspired by some Broadway producer or uh, uh, 
composer who had wanted to turn Hill Street Blues into a Broadway musical. And he said, no, I don't know about that. But the idea stuck with him. And so he decided to do a cop show musical called Cop Rock. And it was a weekly musical. And when I first watched this show, I'd heard the legends. This was like a recurring gag on Married with Children. Mm. They would constantly (laughs) joke about how bad cop rock was. But I thought it was going to be like campy and silly. And this is a really intense social issue show with like really dark storylines and like really confrontational tales of police corruption. And also they're singing and dancing and it's weird. Uh Uh-huh. And and you know what? I'll, I'll say it. It works. <laughs> Does it? I, I think it works. It, it, I I'm think, just using your quotes right here. It works. It works. Like having a musical, uh-huh. t- weekly musical TV show. Uh-huh. Okay, that's not much of a thing. Like Bob's Burgers, for instance, has a song every episode. Yeah. A song or two yeah. every episode. And, and, and Glee had a whole bunch of yeah, songs yeah. every episode. It can be done. And I'm not saying it can. But a musical like this, like a where the characters are singing the songs to mm-hmm. express their feelings and to uh, advance the plot in many cases. Yeah. I don't I can't think of any other instances of that of well, a weekly television not, program. Not on a weekly basis. Yeah. yeah. Especially cuz like even when you, even when you think about something like Glee, they were so, they were not doing original music. Mm, yeah. There was always yeah. covers. I remember like when and they it was would the do characters performing. It wasn't yeah. them like out of Usually, occasionally there would be like a fantasy sequence. I, I remember when they did. Remember when they did like the Ally McBeal musical episode? Yeah, and it was bullshit because it was all like covers of things, and it never drove the story forward. It just stopped the story dead. I mean, Whitney, sorry, stop putting your alcoholic beverages places. It's not put alcoholic. Put, put, put it on the right. table. All right, you're bad. Just trying to uh, That's just my husband's. And he's oh, okay. you're, very you're particular. bad. And now it's on. It's now it's now it's on record. <laughs> it's not editing that out. Well, so if if he ever gets mad, you can point. It's on record. Point to me. I'll take every bit of the heat for that. We're we're, we're in April Wolf's really cool apartment right now oh. with her like really cool. gorgeously furry like like, like ro- a cinder block of a cat over this here. This cat is yeah. amazing. I'll take a picture of this cat. Hang we on, call everybody. him sometimes. We call him the mayor because he just kind of walks around like <laughs> taking things in. You know, if he spoke English, he would go. A lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. the mayor. <laughs> Diamond Jim Brady. He looks. He looks like he put Sergio in Photoshop. Like that's what it looks like. It's amazing. <laughs> I love it. it so a much. thin, ailing, aging Russian blue. All right. Anyway, uh, uh, Cop Rock. Cop Rock aired <laughs> on ABC from September 26, nineteen ninety, through September through December twenty sixth, nineteen ninety. It aired opposite Hunter. It aired opposite another show that got canceled after one season called WIOU, and it got destroyed in the ratings by both. Wow. A show that got canceled after one season, like Cop Rock, destroyed Cop Rock in the ratings. Like, it still wasn't good enough. That's how low Cop Rock's ratings were. It was yeah. not good. But it is good. Well, it was not a good scene, though. I can see why they why they canceled it, because the audience wasn't there. Yeah. yeah. So it was just a situation where sometimes we just ran into that, where, oh, just the ratings weren't there. Or sometimes a show might even have good ratings, but it, the ratings aren't good enough to justify the expense. That There's helped, a joke. with uh, Almost Human. The, yeah. The oh, okay. It, had, it, was, it, it had, had good ratings. It had good ratings. It actually had quite good ratings, but it was just way too expensive to justify even the high ratings it got. Yeah, it okay. would need to be like the top rated show on TV to justify how expensive the show was. And there's a joke. I don't know the budget on Cop Rock, but there's a joke in a song at the end of the series that breaks the fourth wall that says that Cop Rock cost more than Heaven's Gate. 
which is that's so, right. It's that, yeah, such that's a weird that joke. line was one of my favorites. I think I took that in my notes where I was just like, I need to look this up. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought Heaven's Gate, one of the more notorious Hollywood bombs. Yeah, like cost of a bunch of money, ruined many careers. Kind of ended the era in which like big name art house directors could get studios to give you a ton of money to do a passion project. Mm. Wasn't Twin Peaks around the same yeah, time Twin as Peaks Cop Rock? Was, too? Twin Peaks was same the year, same year, yeah, ninety. But different yeah. network, right? Mm, or C- C- CBS. CBS was was, yeah. uh, was Twin, Twin Peaks. Peaks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so this is yeah this is on ABC. Um, and <laughs> let's see what else do we got here. Uh, anyway, uh, just the the quick background. It was obviously it was created by Stephen Bochco, uh, and we mentioned his hit shows. But let us not forget that he also did Capital Critters. Uh, he also did Richie Brockelman, Private Eye. We'll get to Richie Brockelman. We have promised that's, that's so many people. Spin-off. Oh, <laughs> we promised. Wasn't wasn't like didn't start Dennis Dugan? Oh, I think so. Oh, yeah, yeah. so weird. And uh, also uh, Blind Justice. Okay. So, yeah. So hmm. these are all these are all shows. He did not. He was not necessarily only making hits. It was also uh, co-created by William M. Finkelstein. Uh, who produced L.A. Law. He also produced Murder One, which is one of my favorite shows in the 90s. Uh, and he's currently producing The Good Fight for CBS All Access. Oh, which people I love quite, that. I hear it's quite good. Yeah, these are, these are talented people who had a weird mm-hmm. idea. Now, basically, Cop Rock, as you're watching it, it opens with uh, a raid on a crack house. And it's <laughs> like a really... First episode goes straight in, like, raid on a yeah. crack house. Boom, Let's first do scene. Uh, and, you know, they're not pussyfooting around. No. They're going to give you right... This is not lighthearted. They're no, gonna no, no, no. put you right in the filth of, the f- of L.A. crime. The first episode has human trafficking, corrupt police officers who kill, like, suspects in cold blood while they're handcuffed, mm-hmm. and human trafficking. Also, there are songs. And, and, drug, addic- and drug addiction. <laughs> and drug addiction. Also, yeah. there are songs. <laughs> so you say, you say there are songs as if, it, as if they are, these are like bright, glitzy, kind of Cole Porter type song and dance Sometimes numbers. they are. Occasionally. But these are like modern, this is like modern rock. Sometimes. Uh, rock well, and rap and hip hop. The pilot episode, uh, all of the songs were composed by Randy Newman. And Randy Newman actually won an Emmy for cop rock. He's like three quarters of a way to an EGOT, and Cop Rock is one of the reasons. <laughs> oh, I've got some thoughts on Randy Newman. <laughs> oh, by all means, tell me. So he did all the, just for the record, he did all the music for the first one. He did the opening uh, uh, credits song. When you're under the gun, under the gun. And he performs it on camera. Yeah, it's a non-diegetic opening with Randy Newman performing the score while actors from the show just sort of chuckle off to the side like, ha, Randy Newman, we're pals. Like, that's it. Has nothing to do with the series. It's so self-congratulatory. Yeah, everybody's out of character. Oh, that reminds me of, like, the Friends video that they did with that band who did the... the Rembrandts. Yeah, the Rembrandts. Because they they came in, they're, like, playing around. They're like, we're friends with the Rembrandts. So, yeah. yeah. So you're not friends with the Rembrandts. You're not cool <laughs> enough to be friends with the Rembrandts, Jennifer Aniston. Uh, That's my favorite Rembrandt song. <laughs> <laughs> the pause sorry, says sorry, it all. Sorry. Uh, but also, I just want a qu- quick quick shout out to the incredible like title logo of Cop Rock because it's Cop and Rock, and then a really happy musical note like right in the middle uh, over the trigger of a gun. Yeah, the, the note is the trigger. Adorbs. What are your thoughts on Randy Newman? Please. Well, here's the thing. I love uh, I love L.A. Okay. Um, it's mm-hmm. a great song. 
Uh, I have a hard time with everything else he's ever written. <laughs> everything. I feel like in that song, things just kind of came together for him, and it was just like, yeah, like this is his, you know, his masterpiece. Now you're not from LA. No, no. I mean, I was born in Ventura, but I'm not from LA. That's, so. Okay, that's, that's LA-ish. I mean, like, where did you grow up in LA? No, or? no. I, I only lived here for like a year, and then to Michigan, and then I came back okay. after I graduated. I love LA as one of those like cultural things, where I wonder if it plays differently like everywhere but LA. Because when I was growing up, I love LA was everywhere, and everyone in LA was like. Screw everyone who put this on the radio. Yeah, <laughs> well, because they played it every day. It was yeah, like some sort of government mandate. Yeah, yeah like oh, everyone. Be- <laughs> it's like the apple. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody was doing the bim at, at lunch hour. Mm-hmm. We are, you were you were on the right podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, yeah, no, Randy Newman is just one of these uh, songwriters who he kind of does the same song over and over again. And part of it is because whenever he sings it, his delivery is exactly the same. Yeah. The same. The, he's got the 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 uh, the, mi- the minor breakdown in this too. Like mm-hmm. it's the same thing that he does in "I Love L.A." It's just like not as good. Yeah. In mm-hmm. in this, <laughs> I mean, like nothing's going to be as good as that. Let's just be honest. I, but. I, I like this song better than like the scores he wrote for movies. Like you hear the, the like the Toy Story stuff, and it's just so cloying it's like cotton candy in your eyes it's just terrible yeah i i have a hard well, time with that you you had a friend in me before you said that <laughs> you jerk i'm so sorry i i run hot and cold with randy newman so. randy newman is just i accept randy newman hmm. i accept that he's part of our lives and that he will never be anything but randy newman that's my whole thing. Like, it's just, I, I don't expect anything else from him. But here's the deal. That first song is, like, a, a rap song. Did he write the rap song? I is think he did. Yeah, that's what we're saying. That's that's crazy. There's so many crazy... Because <laughs> it's not a good... That one is, like, you know, you some of them are off the mark, and that one oh is God. just like, oh, that one's hilariously every, off the mark. Every Yeah, there's so many, like, about once an episode on average... It would cut to a song, and my first reaction would be, no, you're not going to turn this into a song. You just did a racial profiling song. You just did a chipper, happy-go-lucky song about selling babies on the black market. That's a oh. great song. I love that song. That's my favorite song. That's your favorite song. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, that's baby so... merchant. Tots are us. Tots are us. Was it, I couldn't tell, was it um, Echo Park Lake or MacArthur Park Lake? That was totally were... MacArthur Park. Okay, yeah. That was yeah. totally MacArthur Park. You, just... could, you could see Langer's. Yeah, bless them, they actually shot in L.A. for a lot of it, so I really appreciate it. So, okay, so but here's the thing with this movie, this show, and the reason why it's going to be kind of complicated to talk about. There's a million characters, and they all have storylines. Mm-hmm. Normally, we do like an episode-by-episode episode rundown. It, it gets super complicated. So let's go by the characters and their arcs. Okay, so let's start with, uh, uh, who, who do we start with? Start here? with Ann Bobby's character. Oh, I love Ann Bobby. Okay, Ann Bobby is in this show. Uh, you might remember her from uh, Born on the Fourth of July, or most likely Nightbreed. Um, it, and she got to sing in Nightbreed. She did. We, we mentioned frequently. Uh, frequently. Are, are, are you are you familiar with Nightbreed? Nightbreed, I don't know. Okay. I Night- mean, not that I don't know. I mean, like I just have not okay. seen um, it. I know. I know. They put, I should, a, they put out Nightbreed. Mon- Clive Barker film monsters. David Cronenberg is a serial killer. Uh, Anne Bobby is is the girlfriend character and whose boyfriend gets inducted into the world of monsters. Yeah, yeah, I should have seen uh, Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I actually really like this There's movie. There's a lot of missing footage. Like, the studio shaved it down and they released it, and horror fans the world over for, you know, 20 years were kept shaking their fists saying, where's the extended cut of Nightbreed? Finally, they tracked it down, like, from some Betamax masters that they had laying around somewhere, yeah. and they restored all of the missing footage, including the entirety of Johnny Get Angry, 
sung by Ann Bobby in a nightclub that has nothing to do with the story. Yeah. And it's in the it first act. It just stops. Yeah, so you can stops. hear the entire song, which has nothing to do with anything. That's nice. It's great. <laughs> we are in, not in big of fans this, of the director's kind of night. In, the, in this big, like, monster epic directed by Clive Barker with, like, porcupine people. Oh, Yeah, it's yeah. got Johnny Get Angry as well. I should put that at the top of my list. It's, it's really fun. It's I love film. Nightbreed a lot. Like, even the expurgated version is really good. So Ann Bobby... Uh, is a young beat cop with a hunky partner mm-hmm. and they have a lot of sexual chemistry but wouldn't you know it she's married to the CSI guy uh, who an, is like an a older four, man, an, yeah. like a 45 year old schlubby guy mm-hmm. and like the second song in it after they, they raid a crack house and then all the people in the neighborhood rise up and like sing like a rap song about like protesting the man and then we meet all the characters, and then the next song is her 45-year-old husband sitting alone in a dark room about how she chose me. Mm. And oh, I, God, he's such a sad sap. <laughs> I'm like, get over yourself. Oh, my God. Dude, I, I, what, I watched the 11 episodes of this show. That's how many were produced. And I kept waiting for some justification for why she married him. They're what, they Annie, just got married. But, but they have no chemistry. There's not they have nothing in common. They have there I see no love, I see no attraction. He's just this horrible burden to her and he's just not his whole story arc is that he's jealous of her like beat cop partner who she's been with for like two years and who's charming. And and he admits he admits early on that he's in love with her. So, oh, yeah. he, so there, there's, there's a lot of romantic tension between the two of them. I'm not saying he's like wrong to be jealous or even concerned, but that that's literally their relationship exists only to be this jealousy factory. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. it doesn't end. There's like multiple episodes where it's just like, oh, now now they're gonna get, mm-hmm. you know, angry again at mm-hmm. each other. Now they're gonna get angry. Oh, it's happening again, again. Oh my god. Uh, and like he tries to like when she gets like shot on the job in like the least interesting police shooting I've ever seen. It's, oh my god, it's hilarious <laughs> so, though. The guy's pulling a John Q at an insurance like company and he's so mad and he brought a gun and the gun like it's, falls it's a, and it shoots a, her in the leg. It's a German Luger. Yeah. Like it's an old fashioned gun. Like he was like a World War II veteran who yeah, just yeah. like brought it with him to the doctor's office or that, something. That happens. So that, we didn't, that was an antique. Yeah. I, we had a guy who lived down the street from me growing up and he was a World War II vet and when he passed away he like lived alone. He didn't have a lot of family, so it was like a couple of days. And then finally, like the city came in to like look at the house, and they found out he had been sitting like two doors down from me. He had been sleeping on a bed on top of crates of live World War II hand grenades. Wow! And they had to call the bomb squad in because they weren't <laughs> sure if they could safely move them. And it was insane. That's so that good. happens. Mm-hmm. I buy that. I buy that, especially in LA. And I know there's like some fucking weirdos out here. There's yeah. <laughs> So, uh, uh, yeah, and so he tries to, like, get her, like, put on a desk, and he even pulls the, well, I'm her husband card. And thank God the captain is just like, well, I'm her boss, and this is wrong. Well, you're, this is, you know, we'll explore this as we go along, but this exemplifies why, uh, I think why I really like Cop Rock, because it starts with these characters who are kind of in dire straits, and as we follow every single one of the characters... They in, they move themselves kind of deliberately towards self ruin. Everybody ends off in the story way worse off than where they started. For the most part, yeah. Like all of the relationships all fall apart. This is a show about how the system is so uh, 
so corrupt and so corrupting that no one can escape it. It's just a one that keels toward entropy. Yeah, well, that's sort of this like recurring theme we see with a lot of gritty cop shows. They're like mm. cute cop shows. There's even like yeah. funny cop shows like Brooklyn Nine Nine. Mm. But like the Stephen Botchko model, the NYPD Blues, the Hill Street Blues, the NYPD. Blue. Blue. Hill Street. Blues. Uh-huh. <laughs> and even Cop Rock, or even something like more extreme like The Shield or, or The Wire, um, it's all about just how like thankless and tough and the bureaucracy and how you do your best to, to save lives and half the time you make it worse. Mm. And there's this real streak of depressing cynicism in a lot of cop shows, and I really didn't expect... Cop rock to feel like such a progenitor of the shield, but it does <laughs> yeah. because there's this character, uh, Detective Vincent LaRusso, played by what's Who's that? Kind of the name? kind of the main character. By, yeah, he became yeah. the main character. Yeah, played by Peter Onorati, who's on the new version of SWAT. Um, so he's the tough guy cop, and he's the tough guy cop in like this way where at first I wasn't sure if the movie was against him or, or the the TV show was against him or not because yeah. it would be like that. And like the first or second episode, he's got a suspect in interrogation, and he like you know has the cameras turned off or something so he can like beat him a bit so he can get the information he needs to save the day. Yeah. And that's the kind of shit you would see on Twenty Four. And everyone was talking about what a hero Kiefer Sutherland was, even though it's it's horrifically monstrous, uh, at least in principle. But in the first episode, there is uh, the one of the guys who was in that uh, crack house that they raided at the beginning. He gets off because this, the prisons are over are overcrowded, mm. and later that same day, he shoots a cop and kills him. Mm. And then the next, like the next day or later that week, they they round they, him up. They, they 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 round him up, but it was an illegal search and seizure. And so this guy, Detective LaRusso, is realized, okay, well, we don't got him. And so he just pulls out his gun, shoots the guy dead right there in his living room, mm. right in front of his partner, and just says, you didn't see nothing. And that goes in the direction I really didn't expect it to, because he ends up on this journey where there's a lot of good cops who want him arrested. There's a lot of pol- politicians who want it swept under the rug, and his lawyer's take on it is weirdly and unfortunately very topical because he ends up being aggrandized Mm. and turned into a celebrity and and becoming like a... He has to start hobnobbing with these like really extremist kind of right-wing types to the point where he's appearing on radio and literal Nazis are calling in to say, hey, great job. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, it feels kind of salient, doesn't it? And it's frustrating because they'll do all of these like musical numbers to try to humanize him after this point. And I don't care because I saw him at at you know at a time when he could do anything he wanted. He could have done the right thing, and he said he did the most horrible thing imaginable. And so, like having a song while a stripper is dancing in front of him at a big party about how he's sad and just wishes he was a cop again, I have no sympathy. Hmm. It's well, it's him as a character. Uh, I didn't you know I didn't outright like hate him as a character. I mean, a person I would be like, following him as a character was a good thing. Yeah, well, because 
uh, he truly did believe that he did the right thing. Yeah. And that's that's the kind of difference of, you know, like how do you how do you spin that character so it's like someone that you can watch and that's something that he, you know, uh, Stephen Boschko did with multiple characters. The like Ronnie Cox is my favorite character. He plays really? my favorite character. He's he's my least favorite character. I because have mixed feelings. Uh, like he's just so out like I don't know what show he's in. It might not be Cop Rock, but like you know, like his character is like <laughs> it's it's something, you know? Yeah, it feels <laughs> it's like so weird. Feels like he stepped out of big love at least. Like something with like a weird humor. Okay, so and he's one of two characters that have a cowboy fetish in this show. Okay, let's talk about let's talk about Ronnie Cox. Okay, so Ronnie Cox. You know Ronnie Cox from Deliverance, from Robocop. Uh he plays the chief of police. Hmm. He is overtly Texan which is odd because we're in Los Angeles but like he has like cowboy paintings in his office and the only musical number he has is him riding down the streets in downtown Los Angeles on a horse Mm. in like an old timey Roy Rogers sheriff outfit (laughs) singing about the good old days while like every minority in the entire city like looks out the window going the fuck And then as he rides away, he's like, I did my job. And, and like, a kid, like, runs after him like Shane. And I'm like, I don't even know what take the show has on this. I felt like it was critical. Like, I, yeah. because yeah. I, I felt like he was clearly in a fantasy that did not exist. Mm-hmm. And that, like, later on when you have his uh, his underling, uh, who's the, the guy under him? Uh, Vondi who's, Curtis Hall. Yeah. Yeah. Except in the pilot, it's Ernie Hudson, which is super weird. <laughs> <laughs> it just, it, it's such an interesting, like, Ernie Hudson? You got Ernie Hudson? You couldn't keep him? My God, keep Ernie He's Hudson. He's just like, no, I got, I got other things to do. But yeah. I love Vondi Curtis Hall, so that was cool to see him. But, but yeah. you know, he calls him out. And and there there are moments there towards the end where... I think the show does take a moral stance and it's just like, look, you think you're not racist. Mm. Mm, let me tell you what implicit racism is and like implicit <laughs> bias and like what that is. And, and that's wow. For 1990 for mm-hmm. like a cop show, like that was pretty like, uh, overt, I think explanation mm. of, yeah, of he, what that is. Although when you illustrate it with a big musical number of him being lynched, by a whole bunch of black people. But that, that's, that's, odd, a, that's a nightmare sequence. I know it's a nightmare sequence, but it's an odd, it's really like in your face yeah. in a way that's like, it, it, it's almost absurdist it in is. a lot of ways, but that's which is fascinating. Thing, that character truly believes that. And that's the, yeah. and that's, you know, we're talking about like being salient in that kind of message that does feel topical. It's just like these people truly believe that they're not racist, you know, right now. There's a lot of people believe that they're not racist and that they have these fears that, you know, people of color are going to like come and, and pour, lynch pour them or something, country, you know, yeah. like, and that's, they're just like, you're taking away my free speech. Like they're afraid and they're terrified and they, they're like, it's 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 how they actually feel. So that yeah. that to me, it actually it's so dumb and it rang true because I was like, y'all are dumb. <laughs> like that's so because that, he's, that, he's that, the weird cowboy number is is yeah, it's sort of this old world view of like pure America, which is white America, and yeah. it's in the modern 
Los Angeles, which is not the same thing anymore. And here, and it's here's a big why sort of visual clash. That was a nice number. And I get all of that, and I appreciate the intent behind it. But here's why it it kind of fell flat for me is because you say <laughs> these are these are the fantasy sequences. Yeah, his real life is a fantasy. He shoots off shotguns in his office in the middle yeah. of city hall. He has a firing range out the side of like his his office, and he presses it's, a button. There's a, and a it's robot right there. cowboy living in like his a weird yeah. West yeah. World. Yeah. Like, there's a side West World plot happening on this. <laughs> We got beyond Westworld again. Oh, we, we already reviewed we've already Beyond, reviewed Westworld, beyond Westworld. Westworld, the original Westworld TV series from the eighties. You ever seen it? I've not seen it's it. It's not very good. Okay, thank you, thank you Just for saving you know. my time. You don't need to. Kind of you okay. can listen to our episode and you'll be fine. Um, he has a subplot besides you know actually coming to terms with uh, his staggering racism uh, with the mayor, played by the great Barbara Bossen from Murder One and Hill Street Blues and The Last Starfighter. And her and her enormous hairdo, who, who's a character unto itself. I didn't. Okay, so they have this. She has this weird plot. So when we first when we we're first introduced to her, she has a whole song about taking bribes and how taking bribes is great. Mm. And we never go back to that. And I think they wanted us to make her. They wanted to make her sympathetic and pretend that never happened. Yeah. They totally wanted to backtrack the fuck out of that. They were just like, no, we messed up. She needs to be sympathetic. By God. But they also, right from the beginning, they put Barbara Bossen under heavy makeup, like a giant mole, mm. a fake nose, because <laughs> they planned, after a couple episodes, for her, because she's going to run for Senate, to get enormous plastic surgery. And then emerge just as Ronnie Cox is looking at a painting of the mayor talking about how ugly she is. And then she emerges having had all this plastic surgery and him going, oh, you're hot now. Well, we should date. And they do. And it's actually kind of sweet, but it's also like inherently strange. Super icky. She's also like a virgin. She's a virgin. Which I'm not saying that doesn't happen, but like it's when... They have the scene where she says she's a virgin. They have taken a helicopter to Ronnie Cox's ranch, which the set they have looks like that set from Three Amigos when they're doing the musical number and all the animals <laughs> sing. It does. It yeah. looks super fake. It's like outdoors at the Paramount lot. Yeah. And they're trying to have this really sweet moment where she confesses <laughs> that she's she wants romance, but she's clearly like at, at least in her 40s and... She's never had that kind of romantic experience. And it's supposed to be this really genuine moment, and it looks so fake. It looks so, like, silly, the entire thing. And I, it, it, that's my thing with, with Cop Rock. There's this disconnect between the, the cheese. I mean, I'm not even going to call it camp. I think it's cheese sometimes. And the absolute sincerity of the drama mm. that I, I, I feel like another show has broken in for five minutes to sing a song and then I apologize for bothering you we were talking about police corruption yeah it's super weird every time and it never equalizes it never feels normal to me there are some I think the the soul songs are better done like yeah. towards the mm-hmm. end of the the season there's there's one that I thought that was really well done with um uh, there was a boy who was shot, like an African-American kid who's shot, and you get his family of women um, mm-hmm. in the neighborhood who are kind of like wailing and singing, um, and it's very sad. And I, and I wrote, wrote a note where I was like, oh, yes, this is good. But one of the things that you have with the show is that inevitably um, the uh, 
weird characters who are just walk on for the day are going to be the ones who are singing because a lot of the main characters they can't yeah. actually sing or yeah. dance a lot of the time. There's yeah, a homeless yeah. dance. The biggest dance number of the whole thing is when they're clearing out a bunch of homeless people from yeah. Skid Row, right. and there's a huge dance number yeah. as big as Cop Rock gets basically, the, and it's totally bizarre because it's, yes. it's a sad moment and it's but, the coolest but I, I loved it because it felt like something that John Carpenter had directed <laughs> I would like, love truly, to see that John like Carpenter like on that era where it's just like, like he yeah. could he could have been like guesting that day and like really whipped it up you know like it, that's like his his thing like but, his comfortable with like LA homeless weird tones that don't yeah. quite yeah. make any sense I, I, I thought the songs kind of gave everything kind of an operatic underpinning especially in sort of the, the morning sequences or you know when they're clearing out Skid Row mm-hmm. there were only two instances, instances where I thought the songs actually didn't work Wait, what are the two and they were both in the same episode there was one where they had to uh, gather up a bunch of female uh, police officers to pose as prostitutes. Oh, oh this, yeah. this song and is terrible. The, the song the is choose me. Or... Cho- the choose yeah. me, and yeah. and the, one of the cops says, "Hey, you know, how do we advertise?" And they have this big number about how they're going to seduce Johns. Well, it's not even that. She, and, they, 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 there's a big speech about how listen, we're all going undercover. We arrested all the prostitutes. Now we need to arrest all the Johns. So all the female officers are going undercover, and all the female officers are looking like they're a, an extra in RoboCop. Like, it's really, yeah. really overt 80s kind of sleaze. sleaze kind of look. Which, thinking about, you know, Ronnie Cox, that's... Yeah. That would... That's, and that's and, and uh, what's the name of the other guy who was in uh, RoboCop who was in this, too? Paul uh, McCrane. Paul McCrane. Yeah. Also, so we have a couple of RoboCop alumni. But, um... And then, like, so, like, this new member of the cast who has come in, like, and Bobby has agreed to, like, not be partners with her old partner anymore to save her marriage which of course doesn't work uh, so he gets a new partner well first he gets a new partner who tries to uh, like True. sexually harass him yeah which is super weird and th- like <laughs> it's, right. it's, my it's, eyes it's lit like, up at that song because I was like there is a like a choreography sequence there with her humping him on a car that was like <laughs> what is happening it's pretty special it's like but, something out of police academy I was going to say yeah, yeah it's yeah. like the yeah. Yeah, but uh, and then he gets he gets a new partner, and we don't really get to know her very well. The only thing we get to see her do is once she's like undercover, and they say, "Okay, now we need to go out there." And she's like, "Hey, can I practice on everyone in the in the squad right now?" And they're like, "Yes." And I'm like, "What?" And and they yeah, and then then they say. If this were a musical about prostitutes and it was prostitutes singing that song, it would have been fine. Yeah, it would have been but, okay. But it's uh, the cop singing it. That's that just felt so wrong. And then the and episode, not, not the good context. And then the, and epi- then the other song. Oh yeah, was the cap. It was the captured John has a number about how he's <laughs> a sexual cop. This yes. guy, this guy's pulled him off the street. We've never seen him before. He's just introduced. Uh-huh. He's handcuffed to the chairs. Like, oh, you're you're going to prison for soliciting a prostitute. He's like, but I still think you're hot. And the fact that you arrest me, arrested me makes me even more drawn to you. And he sings a song about how allured he was and how he's willing to leave his wife for this cop. When they give a voice <clears throat> to the sort of random creep of the episode, mm. it always comes across like I'd rather not be in the room while Gina Gershon's stalker is singing about <laughs> how he wants to break into Gina Gershon's house right yeah, now. Yeah, that part was weird. That was like, that was like a Baywatch episode. I have literally seen that Baywatch episodes where like someone comes in and seduces David Hasselhoff, but it's all like an excuse so that they can smuggled, kill the stalker. Smuggle diamonds inside it. Yeah. Dolphin. So like Paul McCrane from Robocop is like seduced by Gina Gershon who has a stalker but all she really really wants to do is get him in her house so that they can she can have an excuse to kill her stalker 
Mm. And that's like there's almost and, and no episodic there's almost no episodic like episodes of Cop Rock, but they made room for that. That was important to Paul, them. That's the only story Paul McCrane gets. He's like just a supporting character otherwise. But he's so he good. I like yeah. him a lot. He's one of my, I you know, it's like one of those characters in the show where you're like, Oh yeah, that guy really and he actually can sing strangely, yeah, yeah. I think. Uh, he was in fame. Yeah. Uh, and uh, um, Robocop. <laughs> no, wasn't, wasn't he in uh, uh, Chorus Line as well? Was or Chorus Line. Sorry, not Fame. I think he was in both. He's oh, good. maybe so. He's talented. He's multifaceted. A lot, a lot of people can sing. Mm-hmm. Some of them can get away with it. Others, not so much. <laughs> the racist cop who shows up has a really bad song about uh, I'm not racist, but. Yeah. I love that song. I mean, like when I say I love, it's just like, oh, of course like, this song was written. Like you're watching it and you're just like, they're just like f- taking everything we're seeing on Twitter and putting it in a song 28 years ago. Oh. Is it 28? Yeah, it's 28, 28, years, 28 ago. years ago. Yeah, there's Jesus. a crystal ball hanging out. As it turns out, things were shitty back then, too. Yeah. Well, and, and if we'd all want, if Cop Rock had been a hit, who knows? Maybe we could have really confronted that. This, this was 1990. I was in just starting junior high when the yeah. show was new. So I was paying attention only vaguely to a lot more of like the serious adult dramas. I was yeah. still watching cartoons at the time. But I did sense, uh, like in... PSAs and stories that I was watching that there was this growing racial tension starting with something like Do the Right Thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I w- you started to see on TV shows like NYPD Blue this kind coming confrontation as to America's dark past with racism. And I think Cop Rock, you know, going back to this show that was in 1990, mm. it, it seemed to me like one of the earlier examples of mainstream television's attempt to look and really address very frankly, what was going on at the time. This was before the Rodney King riots. Yeah, before Latasha uh, yeah. Orleans, before Rodney King, anything uh, was, going on in, in L.A. Yeah, it was, it was after Straight Outta Compton. It was after uh, you know Spike Lee had started to start of explore similar questions. But Cop Rock was really, really unbelievably smart and prescient and wise about this conversation that we are still having today in 2018. Yeah. I'm, I'm watching it and I'm loving it because it is not only just addressing these questions, but it is using these songs to really underline the the pain and the pathos that's really going on. You know, yeah. occasionally taking a sidetrack to sing about being a baby merchant. God, I love that song. <laughs> it's, it's still my favorite song in the whole so at the end, of the, So at the end of the first episode... Oh, uh, is it Lauren Wilhoit? Is that is that her name? She uh, the, the lady from Witch from Witchboard. Uh, Kate, yeah, Kate, Katie, her, uh, her Catherine Wilhoit, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she she's her baby is taken from her uh, in she the initial from, crack bus from uh, from uh, Roadhouse. Uh, yeah. yeah, also yeah. Roadhouse. Uh, her baby's taken from her initial crack bust, and Ann Bobby kind of takes her on as like sort of like a side project, trying to help her out, help her get her baby back, even though she's in dire straits. At the end of the first episode, and this is the last thing before the credits, <laughs> she's singing to her baby, sort of a, a, an attempt at a beautiful song. I wasn't a big fan of the song itself, but the sentiment was there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, good night, go to sleep, beautiful thoughts, and then she sells the baby for two hundred dollars so she can buy crack. Three hundred dollars. Was it three hundred? I believe it's three hundred. Well, then, oh, then it's a good deal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Excuse me. You're not gonna let a baby go for a mere two hundred. And she isn't mentioned for an episode, and then she mm-hmm. like comes back, and she's like, "I'd like my baby back." 
And like Ann Bobby's like, we should get her baby back. And like the captain is just like, she sold her baby. That kid needs to be in foster care. <laughs> like, we'll get the baby back, but like, I don't know if we can trust her. Yeah. And they have like a long, like serious, like serious conversation about that, but they end up having to do an undercover sting. Where they try to find people who are who are selling babies, and this guy has this incredible musical number right in the middle of MacArthur Park, singing about how palm he's trees gonna, around him. He's gonna <laughs> sell that baby. There's some of the um, some of the actual police work in here seems like pretty real mm-hmm. and reasonable. And every once in a while, however, there's something where I'm just like, really, like one of the episodes opens with like a huge cocaine bust in which everyone they're arresting is a rich white person and they're doing it like in public and they're shoving them all on a bus and I'm just like remember that remember back when the police were arresting like rich white people by the bus load on Venice Boardwalk on on Venice Boardwalk and like putting them in buses and everyone's singing about how they're oppressed like remember that remember that day when like all back in the 90s when white people were arrested en masse the great white person bust (laughs) (laughs) like it's a really weird scene because that's my thing there's like always like the juxtaposition of really real and very convincingly portrayed stuff is always next to something very funky. Like uh, the the cop's partner who who uh, lures his partner witnessed mm-hmm. him kill a guy, and after some cajoling, he agrees to testify against him. And every cop in the in the company turns against him, black and white alike. You just turned against cops, therefore you're you're dead to us. And one of the things is they they burn a cross on his lawn. Like holy shit. And there's a song as, like, his, the, the mother of his children it says, don't look away. This is happening. This yeah. is this yeah, is history. Yeah, yeah. This is important. And I'm actually like, wow, what a powerful moment. Like, what, a, what an interesting, like, forthright scene. And then, like, later on in the same episode, there's a, there's a number about another cop, like, losing his car. Like, just, like, looking, like, on every floor of, like, a parking lot yeah, he's for like, his car. He's, like, the dumbest <laughs> cop. He, yeah. He's, like, he has to ask another cop, like, hey, am I, am I too dumb to be a cop? And, yeah. and the guy is just, like, uh, you, you're, you do your you're job. Nice. Yeah. You're right. You're good. Yeah. Job. But, like, he's, he's singing about how everyone thinks he's dumb and the, literally, like, the name of the song is I'm Okay. <laughs> Which is just sort of just like, set your standards low. I like this. I like this. Just you're like, okay. a, it's like a Trey Parker song all of a sudden. Yeah. But when you put a those... comic relief. Every, yeah. you know, every, even, um, even Les Miserables has comic relief songs. But Les Miserables like, that's, has comic like, relief songs that like fit the tone though. That's because true. It's, and that's my thing. It all feels like it takes place in the same story know, and in the same world. Little People. It's the kid who sings about being small when they're like in front of the rampart and there's like riots going on in the streets and they stop dead mm. to sing about being small. It's in the stage version. I missed that. <laughs> I, I read. I read the book and I saw the movie. Oh, okay, <laughs> so uh, I'm sorry. They, they, cut, they cut that song from the movie. They, I, they play a little bit of it. Okay, fine. Um, I'm trying to think of like just. There's that number. G Officer Krupke, you know, is in this other very earnest musical. West but that's Side all. Story. But that's all fitting like the 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 tone of West Side Story, which is about a bunch of young kids who have no respect for uh, authority or the law, and then that gets subverted by the end. Mm. This is just <laughs> this is a Seinfeld episode. Like literally, there was a Seinfeld episode <laughs> lost about lo- yeah, losing yeah. their car, and then they get in, and the car won't start. And here, he locked his keys in the car. Like that's right after. <laughs> Yeah. Right after this really severe moment, and the tonal whiplash gets me every time. There's always something. There's always something really bizarre following something really sincere. 
And it's fascinating. Like, I couldn't stop watching, but I couldn't get absorbed the way I wanted to. Uh I couldn't get absorbed in the musical numbers because there was always, like, some really, really serious drama intercutting them. And I couldn't get really involved in the serious drama because half the musical numbers felt like this is the wrong thing to be dramatizing. Hmm. Like... I, I don't know if we needed, like, in the middle of, like, a very serious episode, like, the captain singing a song about how paperwork sucks and quit your bitching. Like, it just doesn't... It's, it's not an important moment. When you do a musical, you dramatize people's, uh, f- like, real drama. You dramatize their character development. You dramatize their fantasy. But what you got to really kind of select when you're going to sing a song that isn't really connected to anything and sometimes yeah. I feel like they made the wrong choice I, I, I think it was fun. in the, the case of Quit Your Bitchin uh, another song I, I liked was <laughs> it's kind of like a, just a little breath in the midst of all of the big drama yeah. that there's still paperwork to be done and this is a song that's going to address that <laughs> I'm glad we addressed that. Yeah, yeah. It's great. There's not a lot of undertones here. Uh, it's, uh... Yeah, yeah. it's all it's, overtones. It's a musical. You, can, you don't play subtle with a musical. No, and, no, and, no, no. Yeah. By the way, I, the... I, got, I got to interview uh, uh, Spike Lee once, and <sighs> and and uh, you know, my first first question was about sort of his style. I said, "Your films are kind of direct," and he kind of smiled and said, "Yeah, we don't pussyfoot around, do we?" <laughs> and, uh, and, it, you know, I'm in the room with Spike Lee, so I was just threatened and frazzled throughout the rest of the interview. But, uh, you couldn't have been more intimidated than I was by William Friedkin. He was a tough interview. Oh, well, I imagine Friedkin, He was yeah, a tough I've, interview. I, I, was, I, I also got to talk to Kathy Bates. I was more at ease with Kathy Bates well, than yeah, I was with the Bates. Yeah, she was very, yeah. very kind. <laughs> uh, but I'm, I'm frustrated that more filmmakers and more makers of TV aren't as direct who don't just go for the jugular, ask the bigger questions, and ask them in a really confrontational way. I think sometimes filmmakers are afraid of looking foolish, and so they fall back on extreme conventions. I mean, there's a reason why the same type of movie tends to get like a sort of a general like, sense of acclaim. Mm-hmm. Like, like I was still, I'm still shocked. Shape of Water won Best Picture last year. <laughs> it wasn't even my pick, but like, it's like such a bizarre film because, like, when you think about it, the same thing that usually gets nominated is stuff like The Theory of Everything. Yeah, you know, which is okay. Fine. Like, it's competently done, but there's it takes no chances. There's nothing really interesting about it other than the subject matter. And yeah, so like, credit where credit is due. I've never seen Cop Rock. Okay. Cop Rock is a very distinctive <laughs> piece of television, and I'm going to give him a lot of credit for, for going there. But, yeah, I'm, I'm actually, like, amazed. Like, I, I know you like weird shit, <laughs> but, like, I'm Guilty. amazed you really, like, you're really, like, super invested I, in this one. Because I, I, I found myself genuinely enjoying it. Like, yeah. I was watching okay. Cop Rock, and I was behind the, the first musical number, watching the second episode. I'm like, this is just a good musical, and it just happens to be this serialized TV. It's no, it's novel and it's effective. So yeah, yeah, I was. If this were not network and this was like a ten episode season thing, you know, like that kind of like show. A yeah, I think that that's something that could have been done. But these yeah. these people were writing for like a twenty four episode arc. Like mm-hmm. they didn't, you know, like 
this it was ahead of its time i think i think mm-hmm. you know if it's, netflix it's, did something like this it would it would be very interesting like you sure i think it's still ahead of its time i think if they tried it on netflix today it still wouldn't well, be well it'd be weird well, yeah. when you think about like the types of musical shows that have become successful since then again glee is another one or uh, my crazy uh, uh, ex girlfriend yeah mm. uh, I, I always get the title slowly wrong metalocalypse so. <laughs> different but like that's another one with all of those like shows are either lighter or they are inherently about music mm. in, in a way my crazy ex girlfriend an exception to that but like you know like there there's like an excuse to get into it cop rock is a severe cop show with these extremely light moments and that is i don't know if anyone other than steven bochko at this time could have done that they like, mm. could have had like the clout to like have everyone just say, "Great! Not only are we going to do a pilot, we're going to do like eleven episodes, like just right off the bat. We're not just going to test it out. We're going to go for it because apparently there's a good oral history of this that's available online. Uh, apparently, like when they aired the first episode for the advertisers, the advertisers just like, "What the hell is this?" <laughs> Did she just sing about selling her baby? I don't know if we can actually sell anything with this. Mm-hmm. Like, it was real bad, like, right from the beginning. And apparently, like, everyone lived, like, on the edge, knowing that cancellation was almost inevitable from the beginning as they were filming, like, the first season. Mm-hmm. And apparently, like, they actually rounded everyone up into the, like, police officer's bullpen where they have several musical numbers. And, like, the podium whips around and it's, and it's an organ. Uh, that that's where they like told everyone that they were going to be canceled. Everyone's just like, we know. <laughs> yeah, we we we, we knew, knew as soon as you t- on, yeah. as soon as you as soon as you assembled us into this room, we we knew this was it. But that's like the meta the meta ending. The, oh my god, the ending of the series is insane. It's so I mean again ahead of its time. I think that mm. it's so good and it's so interesting the, the way that it's shot. Like that they I can't. Okay, so we need, we need to set up this ending. Because this ending so, is like one of the strangest endings of, of any show we've ever had. Because usually the shows that we review, they don't have an ending. Mm-hmm. They ended on a cliffhanger or they ended just on a random episode. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't get to end properly. That's mm-hmm. the reason why we talk about them is because they were canceled before their time. Uh, whether they're good or bad. And this one... They clearly didn't get to, like, build to a big ending. It's kind of like you're just watching an episode and everything's going on a pace. The corrupt cop has been acquitted and you still can't believe that happened. And now he's back at the same precinct and holy shit. And now he's, like, trying to make amends with his partner and his partner's life has been ruined by trying to do the right thing. And the guy just punches him in the face and you're just like, oh, man, I wonder what's going to happen on the next commercial break. And then there's a commercial break and then... Ronnie Cox and Vonnie Curtis Hall just sort of sit down together with their screenplays going, can't believe we've been canceled. What? <laughs> I was like, wait a second. We've never broken was, the fourth wall like this before. It was we've canceled, never done it. canceled while they were airing the episode. Yeah. Like in the midst of, like during that commercial break, it had been canceled. And there's this great conversation with between Ronnie Cox as Ronnie Cox and Vondi Curtis Hall as Vondi Curtis Hall as they just shoot the shit about how much they enjoyed making the show and how Ronnie Cox is mad he only got to sing one song and how many songs did Vondi Curtis Hall get to sing and they yeah, get Yeah, like, was it one or was it two? And and you got to sing that, that the, the, the lynching song and the nightmare sequence. Well, that wasn't my song. That was the other guy's <laughs> yeah. song. And well, then he's, he like, he's like, oh, you 
you don't know how to sing, though. And then Ronnie Cox took offense. Yeah. yeah. It's like, like that started as a singer, and Bonnie Curtis Hall has this look that's just like, mm, <laughs> sure. And then Ronnie Cox says, well, it ain't over till the fat lady sings. And he presses that button on his desk that activates the robot cowboy. And then all, like, all the cast they could get, not everyone, but most of them, mm. like pour in in their civilian clothes, like not in character, and sing a song about getting canceled. And there's like there's a song where like Ronnie Cox has a line he sings about how at least there's equal justice on ABC, and you're listening to it now, and you're thinking to yourself, "Well, is, is it fair?" Is that what he's talking about? They were replaced by a show called Equal Justice. Equal Justice, uh, yeah. Which lasted two seasons. Oh, so I was, was going to say that was I remember we, that we one looked was it up like on the pretty, way over. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty short, but we sadly we would have totally like wanted to have followed it up with Equal Justice because that would have been hilarious. But alas, <laughs> Equal Justice, you lasted too long. Um, <laughs> And then they actually, like, a, a, an actual, like, operatic fat lady, like, f- floats in on a, swing, on a swing, yeah. which is a little, like, I'm kind of offended by that as a fat person, but okay. And then, like, <laughs> and then they just sit, everyone sings a song about how much I love working on the show. Mm. The, the, the oral history of this show, which I highly recommend if this episode is interest to you, you read, um, everyone apparently had a really good time making it. And you can tell. Like, it, it, there's not, like, anything. You get to, like, do a serious cop show and a musical? That's yeah. got to be a real treat for any actor. Yeah. Like, that's got to be a blast. Even if you don't get it. Even if you were just like, why am I singing about loving, like, the victim of this crime and I'm, now I'm in their clothes talking about how I'm <laughs> rich like them? What's going on? <laughs> I don't even know. There's I'm, a whole song. I like, I like the song about working out and dieting. That one's a really fun one. Yeah. <laughs> My, the one that took me completely off guard is there's a police lineup song where oh. all of the guys in the police lineup talk about being racially profiled, but they're doing, like... Like, proto Backstreet Boys dancing, and it's like pretty incredible. Like it's a hell of a watch. Um, There's that like a line in there, like they call themselves the local color copper tone skin or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was oh so God. weird. Like it's oh, gosh, wow, it's just like right in your face right. with it. And it's, they're like we're Latino and <laughs> we're apparently. the local color. Holy shit! <laughs> they're like wow. whoa, jeez, got away with that, huh? Like and they actually like and they even like they're they the, the N word is said out loud without like any like you know warning in like a couple of scenes and yeah. they just say it. Like and it's in context. Like there's a reason to say it within the scene, but you're just sort of it's all you always are like, sort of like, yeah, yeah like just, wow, okay. You, you can say that on television. Jeez, holy sh- wow. Mm-hmm. 1990. I Apparently, guess. I guess so. yeah, it's like the, holy crap. You're of in living color. Oh, and uh, uh, I guess the only other thing I'm thinking uh, uh, that's like before we we start like winding this down, uh, Cheryl Crow is in this. <laughs> she's a backup singer in a musical number in the last episode uh, like at the episode after all of the female cops uh, sing about being hot prostitutes and seducing all their like fellow cops their next episode they all get a musical number that's about going undercover to catch a rapist at a college campus which is actually a pretty cool number actually and Cheryl Crow was like foregrounded in a lot yeah, of yeah, yeah. Um, so this is before she was famous or super famous anyway yeah that's a good one yeah, it's, I like that one um, who else? Oh, there's one other guest star I wanted to David mention. David Paymer. David Paymer is in it as the, yeah. the, the homeless man. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, the, the really young, naive cop thinks that yeah. he can just sort of give advice to a homeless guy saying, and it, just go take a shower. And it turns out you can't, solve, it, you can't solve homelessness in one conversation by buying a guy lunch. Yeah. And so he gives up fast. And I'm like, dude, 
Well, it's the whole thing. I'm like, I was talking about this earlier today because we have a homelessness problem in Los Angeles, oh, and yeah. the, and that is uh, rivaling and in, in surpassing what we had, I think, in the 1980s, which mm-hmm. is what they're making a comment on, which John Carpenter also made comments on <laughs> constantly in his work, um, and and I guess Randy Newman and I love LA, uh, and <laughs> and I was noticing that that was a really relevant storyline for today that mm-hmm. there. You know, you can't just keep pushing. And the cops realize that they can't keep just pushing the homeless people away to like a new spot that they'll just be there the next day. And then it's like just such a dumb thing that we're doing. Mm-hmm. And that was just a very uh, topical thing to have. And I was like, oh shit, <laughs> this is this is an episode that could have been made today. A, qu- a question we ask in every episode of Cancel Too Soon, besides was it canceled too soon, is what if it had lasted a hundred episodes? Fuck. <laughs> right? Well, because Cop Rock is one of those things where it feels like a huh. unicorn. It yeah. feels like it could not have lasted more than a season no matter what. Like, how do you sustain this? How do you keep coming up with you, you the either, musical material? You either have to, re, like, relocate. like yeah. with all new Cop Rock, New York. Yeah, new, new city or just all new characters in L.A. And... I, I I imagine this would be a good just LA show, so I think everything everything has to stay in LA. But you can do it at different precincts mm-hmm. with new characters every season. Okay, oh, yeah. So just little like that. anthology miniseries kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That I would make that. Which yeah. also would have been ahead of its time. I don't think any shows were doing that yet. But now no. we have stuff like no. American Horror Story. Shows are doing it all the time. Yeah. Um, or yeah, golly, I don't know. How do you keep on with this sort of big drama with these particular characters? Yeah, because like you can just keep shoving them into like bigger and bigger storylines and like any other cop show probably would do that and it would probably get away with it but with this constant backdrop of musical you have to in a musical you have to build you have to build and you have to like you you can't you can't do the same number again mm-hmm. you know you can't do over, the same you can, you can do reprise <laughs> but you can't do the same dramatic beat the way yeah. you used to and they've already used up a lot of their shtick like they're gonna run out Sooner than later. Like, maybe they could last another season or two, but, like, it's hard to imagine them getting to 100 without this feeling really tired. Unless they did something pretty extreme, like changing the cast around. Mm. I don't know what that would look like. (laughs) A part of me was like, I'd love to see it, like, Barbara Boston becomes a senator and then becomes, like, attorney general and it becomes, like, you know, capital critters the show. I I wish they had gone back to the fact that she, she got cosmetic surgery and was just okay. Like, they never really addressed that again. Well, I mean, she, she's allowed to be okay. Right. I mean, well, that, that's fine, but, you know, you'd think it's going to be this big plot point, but it's not. She just well, has... They might have gotten back around to it. I would like and to she's think all, that... all of a sudden only, like, feels she has value now that she's had cosmetic surgery, and you'd think there would be some, dra- like, internal drama for there's, the character There's this that. weird song where she sings to the beautiful person in the mirror, and it feels like it's from, like, a high school production or something. And, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, but that's the thing. is like, she, emotionally, she's actually... I wouldn't say immature, but undeveloped because she didn't have all this romantic experience. Yeah. And she has all of this. Uh, uh, and, and Barbara Boston's such a good actor. Like, I love her so much. I was such a huge fan of her in Murder One. She's so great. <laughs> um, that she pulls it off for a lot of it. But just like, yeah, a lot of her plot is just kind of bizarre. And it feels like really unresolved. Like, I, I seriously, like, she had a whole song about being wildly corrupt. Mm. And now she's running for Senate. I have to imagine they would have gone back to that. That would have been a thing. I mean, right? I, you would have to imagine that. And then also those those two image consultants, the twin brothers who are really creepy. I would love to see them 
Yeah. That would have been nice to have them mm-hmm. come on. Or, yeah. or, or more with the gay character. Oh, yeah. She yeah, is, the gay character seemed like it was being set up for mm-hmm. like yeah. a larger storyline. Barbara Boston's mm-hmm. personal assistant uh, in, in the show uh, is a gay character. He is technically in the closet, but he doesn't really hide his sexuality. He just doesn't talk about it. And there's a subplot where he's going to be outed and he tries to re- resign. Because it's 1990, and that could still potentially like sink her political but, career. But it's in a positive way. A, a, a local uh, advocate type magazine wants to do a profile on, but they want gay, gay people in office. But they want to out him when he doesn't want to be outed, mm-hmm. and it's really yeah. kind of gross. And it really like it's it's so it's so weird to me that they would make like a gay character be the one to do that. Who would say like this is fine? No, this, but they that's what, those means. That's that's what I think. That's what actually happens to a lot of gay people. Those like, there's there is a kind of push and pull between um, whether or not, and the, the I think the episode the character even said it explicitly: whether or not you can just be gay, or whether you have to be out and be an activist. Because you have people who are celebrities who have not come out. And you have people who are working for, you know, gay lifestyle magazines or publications or something like that. We're like, you should come out. You need to come out. Mm-hmm. And so there's always going to be this push and pull in that in the community of, you know, what is your duty as a person who is like having success and and what that means and the burden it carries for you mm-hmm. as like a as a queer person. Absolutely. And that's a great conversation is just the fact that they were just going to do it. Yeah, was just so severe, and then Barbara Boston uh, like blackmails the guy so that you know his immigrant boyfriend who is like not paying taxes would get like uh, uh, deported, and it's just like she's a bad bitch. She's she's she <laughs> she. I would not uh, uh, get her mad at me. Keels Where toward, toward entropy. Everybody ends off worse off. They, yeah, they corrupt themselves. <sighs> Damn you, humanity! <laughs> Damn you, Cop Rock! And that's what Cop Rock gives us. Just a, <laughs> just a dash of humanity. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's let's go around the table here. April, was Cop Rock canceled too soon? Should there have been more of it? Oh, fuck. So, I mean... It doesn't mean it's necessarily... Sometimes we say, like, it, it was a good show, but it ended where it needed to I end. Think, I think like, it ended where it needed to end. Maybe not exactly, like... Yeah, maybe like one episode to clear some things up would have been good, but yeah, yeah I think it I think it probably had its course, you know. Yeah. Whitney? Yeah, well, we reviewed a Police Squad on this show. Police mm. Police Squad is like one of the best pieces of TV. I don't want any more Police Squad. Well, those, <laughs> you can't those, sustain those that. six episodes are are perfect unto themselves. And frankly, I, I even I, a couple of those you can tell they started running a little low on material. Yeah, I, and yeah. I feel the same way about Cop Rock. You 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 use the word unicorn and I think that's perfect. This this is a rare beast. And I think we should cherish what we have in the form we have. Okay, it. you two are way more high on it than I am. <laughs> I really like. I had like some really adverse reaction to a lot of this show, <laughs> and I totally get why people weren't on board with it. Like there are things I like about it. There's good work being done here. I do not think they cracked the formula at all. Uh, so I don't think it was canceled too soon. However, I'm glad it exists. I'm glad something this unusual and just something that swung for the fences exists. I'm glad that unlike a lot of the shows that we've had to dig out of some very deep graves to review on this, there's actually a good DVD of Cop Rock available uh, from Shout Factory. You can still get 
So if this sounds exciting to you, listener at home, like you you can see Cop Rock. A lot of the songs are available on YouTube if you just want to hear how crazy they are. Some of them really are. <laughs> um, Baby Merchant has the most views. They're, <laughs> they're better with context, I have to <laughs> a say. A lot of them are better with context. A lot of, but they're, they're pretty special regardless, and you should definitely uh, give them a listen. At least do that. Mm. Um Thank you so much, April Wolf, for joining us. You're awesome. Thank you for having me for this very special episode of a show I really like now. Oh. <laughs> you. And you're welcome to come back on anytime. Okay. All right. I mean, anytime at all. You just let me know. Okay. Um, we only have to be able to find the show. That's yeah. their own, our only and, and it needs to be a season or less. And a season or less. If you have yes, some, yes, yes. Some, some obscure favorite that you want or, to share with Or even a new one. A new one that just got canceled. We're gonna, yeah. Every September we dedicate to a recently canceled oh. shows. Uh, so uh, we're we're keeping an eye on right they, now because everything's getting canceled. They just announced the slate, and like two thirds of their shows are going to be gone by September. So we'll do some of those. Yeah, it's going to be great. <laughs> um, so we Those got, are just vultures. <laughs> what was it? What, that, that's, that's our... Failure is way more interesting than success. And that's there's way true. more of it. Like, every episode of our show begins with the history of television is a history of failure. Because we think of the hit shows, most shows fail. Mm. Most pilots don't go to series. Most series don't last very long. And way too many of those shows vanish. And we love being able to talk about that and keep that alive. So you know, this is this is this is like my favorite thing that I do. Your reason for being—that's <laughs> yeah. so, sad, but yes, yeah, so yeah, we're, we're, we're floating around the world of TV in our in our long black coats and tall top hats. Naughty pie, and yes, we're measuring the shows. Like, we're we're not eating the carrion. We're like bronzing the carrion and showing it off. Look at this dead animal we found. That's great. <laughs> um, so everybody, thank you very very much for listening to another canceled two. Uh, as always, please subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever wherever you find it. Leave a review if you can. Um, if you want to help us out and help us take the time to find and watch all these shows one a week, uh, you can go to patreon.com slash cancel too soon. You can vote for future episodes. We have bonus content, the Cancel Too Soon monthly movie. We review uh, TV movies and miniseries. Uh, the new bonus episodes we're working on called Only the Best, where Whitney and I are working our way through every Oscar-nominated Best Picture ever, um, starting from the beginning in chronological order. So that's going to be a real treat. Um, we have new stuff we're going to be premiering there real, real soon. So uh, keep an eye on that. We're also on Twitter at CancelCast. I'm at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. Uh, April, where can people find you? Oh, gosh. Just online. Just, Just in <laughs> general. On the internet. There's like a lot of April Wolves I've found uh, <laughs> through interactions with the police. But... <laughs> Just knocking on your door. Like, is there like an April Wolf that's like a con artist that's internationally wanted? There's some problematic April Wolves out there. Uh, Ooh, wow. So, you know, you can look me up on, on Twitter. I spend too much time there. Is there such a thing? <laughs> uh, and definitely check out her podcasts, Who Shot You and Switchblade Sisters, which are available wherever fine podcasts or pine costs. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Um, and they're great shows, and I really mean that. Um, and uh, we'll be back next week with the next one of our most requested shows ever. And this is one where when we announced that we were doing this show, we had so many people just say, you, you're, you're going to do Selfie, right? So we're doing selfie. And, Finally, gonna do selfie. And schedule permitting, we will have a member of the cast on the show. Well, cr- fingers crossed. So uh, please stick around. Stick around because we're doing a big build up to our hundredth episode. It'll be a hoot, 
and maybe even a hoot and a half. We'll see. Two hoots. At least we're going to aim for at two least hoots. one. All the hoots. Uh, thank you, Everwolf, again. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and uh, we will see you next season. Thank you.